The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we were looking into the world of new tech. Um, specifically when it comes to artificial intelligence in healthcare. Now, IntelliCare is a tech company. It's essentially commercialized a predictive analytics engine, which is a hardware and a software system for the aged care and health industries. Now, this particular system uses smart sensors and also AI to empower healthcare providers and allowing people essentially to stay in their own homes for a lot longer. We're joined now by the CEO and MD of IntelliCare, Jason Waller. The ASX code of the company is ICR. It's got a market cap at the moment sitting around for 4 million uh, Australian dollars. Jason, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Aurel. It's great to be here. Now, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to get where you are today, because you were a pilot in the Royal Australian Air Force for 21 years. So how did you end up here, running a health tech company? Yeah, it's an it's a, uh, interesting question. So I did 20 um, plus years in the Air Force as a pilot. And when I decided I'd achieved everything I wanted to do there, I looked around for um, opportunities in the private sector. And what I discovered was that what I had to sell was leadership, particularly leadership of multidisciplinary teams, because in the Air Force, that's your, your core skill set. Um, and I also like... Um, working in places where there's high growth and, and, and strong change with a, a new strategy. And so I had a range of roles, including in, as a project manager and, and sales and commercial roles and operational roles. Um, but that naturally led to um, uh, listed technology companies. And so I started with Spookfish, where I was the CEO there as well, took it from the founders, um, ultimately exited um, after a 130 mil transaction was conducted to uh, in North America. And then um, from there, I came on board um, and found um, IntelliCare, which was in a similar state where it was founder-led at the time. They were starting to really need to commercialise their product and they needed someone who could sort of bring all the arms and legs together and execute on that strategy. How difficult as an entrepreneur um, formally, you know, when we're talking from the founder side, how difficult is it to work with founders when you're coming in and you're not one of the original founders of the company, but you're coming in to, to... perhaps change the direction of the company or do something a little bit different? How difficult is that? Oh, it's it's a, an enormously um, important challenge you need to overcome. And um, the founders, Mike Tappenden and Greg Leach of IntelliCare, we spent a, a lot of time in the early stages not talking about the company, but just actually talking about how they would go sort of handing over the baby um, because you're putting it in the hands of someone else. You've invested a lot of time and effort and, and blood, sweat and tears into it. And often, in, as in the case with IntelliCare and was with Spookfish, the founders have um, an executive role to play and, might, and report back to me in the sort of the chain of command. Um, so they wear two hats and you've got to have very strong alignment and understanding of how that relationship works um, at the outset. So we spent a, a fair bit of time talking through that to both, um, to both sides to get comfort that we were able to 
um, to execute on on a way of working together. In any relationship or any sort of situation, um, you know, where you have more than one leader uh, in a team, sometimes there are going to be, you know, not necessarily uh, negative disagreements, but people have a different vision. How do you get past those sort of issues? I talk about that um, very clearly at the outset. So um, my role in in IntelliCare and, and as any CEO's role is is to create wealth for the shareholders. Um, and that's quite, uh, needs to be quite explicitly understood by everyone in the organisation. Um, we're not a not-for-profit, um, we're, we're here for profit. And to, to achieve that outcome, I talk about communication and the fact that 90% of the time um, we'll be aligned, but in 10% of the cases, we might not be. Um, and when that happens, we'll discuss it. Um, I will make a decision and I want everyone, typically the executive and the leadership team, to get behind that decision. You can't white-ant it or undercut it or um, place the responsibility higher up the chain for what's going on and not accept it yourself. And I'm, I'm really explicit on that and I'm very, very... Um, um, much someone who will drill down and bring it up if I see that there's behaviours occurring that aren't aren't along alongside that. And I say they don't have to like what I decide; they just have to understand it. And if people don't understand why I've made a decision, that's my fault. But they don't like it; and they understand it, then that's fine. I'll, I'll just have to live with that. Well, what's the hardest part then? Do you think of coming on board in in a situation like the two experiences that you've had? I think it's it's matching shareholder expectations with the reality of a tech company growing. Um, it just takes time to get technology and. Um, scaling and when you're dealing with the aged care sector in particular that and with COVID and everything else there's there's further drag there as well there's also some tailwinds um, but the expectation of how things are going to go is obviously um, lit up in blue sky and, and and high potential but the reality as you start to commercialize and and have those sales conversations in every case is different so um at some stage, we have had to grow a new product category, not just a new product in an existing category, but a whole new product category. And that that, that takes time. So having the right shareholders on board um, who have um, patience and that long-term vision um, is critical. How different is it being listed? It's, it's very different. Um, it takes probably, I would estimate, 30% of my time overall across the year. At times, that can peak up to 100%. Um, we've recently announced a, a placement to shareholders to um, raise further funds um, with a shortfall facility underwritten in place. And for the last couple of weeks, you know, um, a, a very significant swathe of my time is is spent on that. Similarly, during the, the period where we have reporting requirements with our AGM coming out, um, that soaks up a lot of time. So you've got to you've got to have um, a, a mindset where you're prepared for that and you see it coming because you need to relieve yourself. Um, of other decision making and be able to delegate and have the team around you and keep carrying on while as the CEO you're, you're dealing with that. Um, Jason, there must be um, something about the companies that you go on board and you, and you, you, you make your own uh, to a point in terms of leadership um, that attracts you uh, to them anyway. What was it about IntelliCare? I mean, obviously you've talked about the phase of growth it was in and how it did need that additional perhaps strategic leadership to come in and to help drive the direction going forward. But what about the product, the company itself, the people? What was it that attracted you to IntelliCare? Well, I think it, it, it was a worthwhile mission. Um, the, the product itself, as you said at the outset, helps people to live independently in their own home and it solves for a, a, a pretty chronic aged care problem, structural problem that we have in place 
in Australia and worldwide at the moment. And that's a great thing to do. And so part of my sort of due diligence when I was looking around for new roles is to make sure that the, the purpose, even though I, I said we're here to create wealth for the shareholders, there is still a purpose behind that um, that's important and that altruistic nature was, was pretty critical. Um, alongside that, it's a complex problem um, that we're trying to trying to solve for here and the solution, particularly with the, the AI and using Internet of Things sensors, um, it's not a straight up and down solution. Um, and that complexity really attracted me as well. Plus, um, the team itself, they, they interviewed me. So all the development team, um, they put me through an interview process. And, and, and they, were, they were fun. It was a great environment, a really good culture. Uh, it, it, it's, that's the enjoyment, enjoyment, enjoyment in startup land is you have these kinds of really interesting cultures. And that, that was quite attractive as well. Now, if you look at the aged care industry overall, as you've just alluded to, um, a product like yours has been has been needed um, in, in some cases fairly urgently. There have been some very sad accounts, obviously, of uh, abuse in certain places. There's also been some very happy stories too, obviously. But I would imagine that your product is invaluable when it comes to this kind of thing and, and addressing those sort of issues within the industry. That, that's right. So the industry is facing these issues with COVID plus chronic staff shortages. But the real issue here is that the number of people who are ageing is outstripping the the support base there, the staff base and the taxpayer base is there to support them. So you require productivity tools that give you greater insights and allow you to apply those limited funds and those limited resources in a more efficient fashion. Um, we, had a, we had a great example the other day where one of our, our clients' clients, he, one, he was um, showing um, that his meal preparation had declined and it's one of the alerts that we send out we track and use AI to, to look at their meal preparation and if it starts to fall away that can tell you something um, and this gent is 93 years old um, living by himself so the carers responded to the alerts and they found out he'd discovered Uber Eats and he was <laughs> he was ordering Chico Rolls his favorite food um, <laughs> regularly <laughs> and so when, when they came around and discovered this, well, he's 93, he, he can do what he wants, he's, he's earned that privilege, but we can now supplement his other meals with additional nutritional benefits to, to compensate for that. And now we know what's going on and the AI has relearned that behaviour and, and away he goes. So that would have otherwise gone unseen and, and also it would have potentially um, resulted in an adverse outcome for him because you couldn't see the whole picture of what was going on with his with his meal management and might have resulted in loss of independence. Oh, absolutely. Are there um, uh, significant privacy issues that are associated with this type of product, Jason? How, how do you get around them? Or is it is it simply about um, the patient or the person who is using the product simply agreeing? It, it's all of that. Privacy is a major consideration and we have had um, an independent audit of our systems to ensure that we are compliant and more than compliant, um, strong and robust with regard to privacy of people's data. But the, the, there is a slight trade-off that an individual will make when they allow someone into their lives as a caregiver. Um, and that's regardless of whether they're using technology to assist that or whether they're helping them um, with their meal preparation, showering, getting out of bed each day. They've traded off some level of privacy for a longer independence. And the, the brutal truth is, is if they have an incident that results in uh, a trigger event such as a fall or something else that would cause that loss of independence and maybe they become um, they get uh, admitted to for residential care 
their privacy has significantly um, decreased at that point in, in a residential environment, um, necessarily so just to be able to provide the proper level of care and oversight. So it is something that people are concerned about, but in the vast, vast majority of our cases, once uh, a resident has the system in place, it's a set of baguette, they don't notice it. And they think of it more as a guardian angel than um, Big Brother. You, you talked, uh, Jason, a little bit earlier about your capital raise um, that you announced last week, $2.99 million. Um, What sort of response have you had um, for this particular one? Because, of course, you did do a capital, you listed in May last year and you did do a capital raise earlier this year. Um, so far, the response has been very positive. Um, we, we expect a, a significant number of our, our existing shareholders to take up the offer. It's a great chance for them um, to come in at a, at a price that um, gives them a, a better average price for their shares. Um, and we also have an underwritten shortfall facility in place and we're, we're very confident um, that we'll be able to achieve um, the full amount um, through that. And what will you be spending those um, roughly $3 million on? Um, a big part of us is, is continuing with our sales growth. So we're, we're now expanding on the, on the East Coast. Um, COVID and the lockdowns in Sydney and Melbourne have, have slowed that down um, somewhat, but now we're coming out of that side. We still have more to do in terms of um, staying ahead in, in our research and development phase. So we want to increase our ability to use machine learning in particular um, to take it not just from being detecting incidents, but preventing them in the first place. Um, and then we um, will use the remainder with our ongoing working capital. Uh, there is a, obviously a, a government interest in this particular space, in aged care in, in particular. Um, how much can you take advantage of that additional government funding into healthcare? Well, it's great that there has been such a significant focus in the last federal budget um, on aged care. And really it, across both, not just aged care, but disability care as well, um, you know, that's a a $40 billion industry in terms of government funding. So the, those funds come from government, but they're expended by the individuals. So the individuals are responsible for managing their package and have final approval um, of that um, package. And so they engage a care provider, a service provider to help um, to provide the services and to administer it. And those service providers are, are really um, under the pump at the moment in terms of um, facing staff shortages. Um, and we see that again and again and again. So what that provides is a, is a tailwind where they're looking for um, technology um, solutions to help them increase their productivity. And because using IntelliCare's product, they can monitor multiple clients at once and triage them. Um, that's a great outcome uh, for them, as we saw with uh, MercyCare, who recently came on board with us and and um, and. and did a significant deal with us. Well, well the, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Jason, and I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about your recent contract wins because you just mentioned Mercy Care, of course. Um, that was a major contract you secured earlier on this month, but that follows a number of other uh, wins that you've had for IntelliCare, rather, including the partnership with St John. Um, talk to us about what's going on in that space at the moment and, and how much you're driving forward these kind of partnerships. So all of these are arising from um, opportunities where organisations have, have looked ahead to the future. They've looked five, ten years ahead and they've, they've seen the writing on the wall in terms of their traditional business models and care delivery models, which you know, basically were a fee-for-service. Um, more and more people are demanding a higher level of and higher quality care um, and people are remaining in care and in their own homes for, for longer. 
Um, so those organisations that at the, at the board level have recognised that have started to drive a, a technology change again, agenda within their organisations. And that's how we sort of vet our, our leads and opportunities. Um, and they want to um, uh, drive that through into the operational sphere of their business. Um, so it's really important that not only do they have um, executive and, and, and directors who, are, who understand that need, but at the operational level, the, the caregivers themselves, who are the ones that are under the pump, um, are brought on, on board with the change management program that, um, whereby they can see the benefit to their own day-to-day -day job um, in using this kind of technology. So you are obviously, you mentioned technology, of course, and spend on that and, and research and development. Um, obviously, this is a rapidly evolving industry, um, as is, to be uh, brutally honest, anything that involves technology in this day and age and, and the rush on, on new tech that we've seen as a result, largely as a result of, of COVID. What sort of offerings can we expect next from IntelliCare? Um, we're really expanding our, our health metrics at the moment. So we have um, integrated devices like Fitbit so people can um, use these um, devices to monitor their heart rate, blood oxygenation um, uh, and those, those kinds of important metrics. And that starts to open up um, hospital and the home opportunities, but also home concierge services where um, GPs and other allied health professionals come around to someone's house and take responsibility for their, for their overall care. Um, we're working to have additional devices coming under that umbrella and also with our partners, particularly University of Sydney and Macquarie University, um, improving our machine learning. So our, our broad strategy here is not just to detect incidents, um, but to, to look at the underlying trends in behaviour between um, their movement behaviour, sleep patterns, meal preparation, social isolation, and see if we can get ahead of the curve. So. I see um, a lot of uh, development work in wearable technology, but the issue with the aged is that they don't always um, engage with wearables, um, and particularly if they have things like dementia. Um, and so being able to passively provide an index around the risk of someone's deterioration is going to be critical in the future because it's not just about detecting that event, it's, it's trying to prevent it occurring in the first place. But you've got to deal with the detection right here and now. Now, Jason, when we talk about growth in, in telecare, um, you're, you, you've talked about the East Coast. You are expanding in, in New South Wales um, with a pipeline of, of opportunities there. How quickly now markets are starting to open up and borders are starting to open up? Do you expect to, to, uh, for all of these to happen? I hope very quickly, Moriel. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, in, in New South Wales, um, a lot of the care providers are still working from home, so even though that, uh, it's opened up somewhat, they're still working from home and, and being conservative. But we have a, a pretty good pipeline um, where we think, think some things will drop um, uh, reasonably um, soon in the short term. I hope to be able to um, increase that presence in, in Victoria as well as that comes comes out and Queensland as well. So um, what what's happening, I think, is COVID has, has created this environment where um, everyone's business model in the aged care industry is, has been turned on its head and they're now starting to think, well, can we, is this, is that just a momentary blip or is this the new normal? And I think the conclusion people reaching is it's the new normal. So I think um, our East Coast expansion will be propelled by that, but I'm just being cautious that we don't go too hard um, 
while everyone is still locked down and it's hard to get, get in front of people. So what is the most exciting thing that we can expect to come out of IntelliCare over the next sort of uh, six to 12 months, Jason? I think a significant increase in our, in our user base. We're, at the end of the day, we're a, a software as a service business. Um, and the beauty of that model is the, um, is the recurring income stream that it can generate. So um, my aim is to, to really grow um, as fast as possible um, our user base. Um, and then that in itself um, started to occur in Australia and started to think about international opportunities. Um, as we have talked about, we've set up a subsidiary in, in the USA. Um, it's a highly prospective market, but it's also a, a graveyard for startups if you approach it in the wrong way and, and spend too much capital there too early. Um, but because they have quite a different insurance and private health and public health system, um, it's more of a user pays model and consequently um, underpinned by insurance. It's a different market to Australia and I think is even more prospective than, than the market here. That doesn't mean we're taking our eyes off of the ball and, and our core requirement to grow in Australia first, but um, it's not an either or, it's a both and decision, I believe. Well, we very much look forward to it, Jason, and I'd love to have another conversation with you in three or four months' time and um, see how far that push ahead has has taken you and the team. Thanks, Aurel. I'd, I'd really welcome the opportunity. Fantastic. Well, Jason Waller with us with us there from IntelliCare. Thanks so much for joining us, Jason, again. And, of course, thanks also to all of our supporters. Um, you are listening to Stock Insiders with me, Aurel Morrison. We'll see you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.